Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show. On this episode of The Backstage Show, not to be confused with this week on The Backstage Show, since we're no longer weekly, I remembered that, this episode will be discussing stage management. Yes, one of the unsung heroes of the theater crew, not just community yes. theater, but really any theater crew, but particularly important in the community theater scene, I would yes, say. Yes, indeed. I'm sure important anywhere. This is a topic that we've had kind of waiting for quite a while. We kept talking about getting guests to discuss with us since we don't have a lot of since we don't have a lot of direct experience with stage management, although both of us have served as stage manager at one time or another. But sort of kind of I, in a fill in or assistant capacity, maybe. Yeah. But due to the pandemic and everything like that, it was proving rather difficult to book somebody. It's proven difficult to book any guests at all. But we're still trying. <laughs> and if you of course you are interested in being a guest, you can Throw us an email at podcast at backstage.link at any time, and we'd be happy to have you in the few episodes we have left. Unless you're boring. <laughs> but I'm going to assume you're not. But anyway, stage management. <laughs> yeah, so what is their primary role? Well, the way we've experienced managing it. Managing the stage. Well, managing the stage. Yes, thank you, genius. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you go to Apple school to tell me that one? Um mm -hmm. They're basically in charge of the show once the show opens, typically. Yep. Uh, or you could argue that the transition kind of happens during tech week as they prepare yeah. to take over the show from that point during the final rehearsals. I think tech week is kind of like a transition between having the director be in charge to handing that off to the stage manager. And I guess it's kind of like, I don't know, co-leading co the production as it heads in. The director still giving notes and such, but once the show opens, it is, it's the stage manager's show. It's really no longer the director's show. They are in charge. <laughs> they absolve themselves and wash their hands of it. <laughs> yes, I, some directors don't even bother showing up for the for the uh, performances. Well, <laughs> I, I have not been one of those necessarily, but I suppose if the director was not popular, then maybe everybody would rather that they didn't show up for the performances. Yeah. That happened. I mean, to me I think we've before. discussed when that's happened uh, in yeah. shows I've been involved with. Yeah. Won't I won't get into that, that again, again, but it, it has happened. And thankfully that's a rarity, but regardless, the stage manager is still essentially the head honcho and they're, you know, what they, uh, what they deal with when they open the show, we'll get into a little bit later, but we could also mm -hmm. kind of talk about, how early in the process they really would get involved. And that kind of largely depends on the director's preference and ideas and maybe to an extent the type of show it is. Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of different times that the stage manager can come in. And I, I think it also depends on the stage manager themselves. I know some like to be involved earlier and just like to sit in on rehearsals just to get an idea of what their duties are going to be because... Right. You know, as you said, we'll get into it a little bit more later, but props and moving set pieces and furniture and things like that, they're going to be responsible for all of that. So if they're sitting in on earlier rehearsals, they might get a sense of how that's going to go and just 
it's also just helps with getting another cast and that sort of thing. So some stage managers do prefer to do that earlier. Some directors prefer to have them in there. Some directors prefer not to have them there, but you could varies. certainly, if you, if you had somebody lined up early on, then even as early as the audition process, you could certainly have them helping out either. Yeah. They can help coordinate, coordinate sure. the rehearsals or I'm sorry, coordinate the audition or maybe even offering some input potentially if there is, you know, any sort of a casting committee like we have talked about. Right. They'll also help out uh, sometimes as you're doing your blocking because, again, the stage manager is going to be somewhat responsible for where everything goes, and that includes the actors. So if they know the actor's blocking, that's going to help them with getting the props to them in time, knowing where they have to enter and exit and all of that sort of thing. Sure, yeah, understanding where things have to get set. I I have found my personal preference, and it somewhat depends on the show, but I like having them around as early as possible. That includes Agreed. particularly blocking rehearsals. And I'll say maybe certain shows it's more critical. For example, if you have a kind of maybe a largely different character piece with not a lot of actors, then maybe those are situations where the blocking is more fluid. It's going to evolve a little bit more. So maybe it's not necessarily that critical for a stage manager to be around, especially if there aren't that many scene changes to worry about. But if you mm -hmm. have an, other types of shows where you have more actors, you might have less space to work with. You have a lot of scene changes. I found it really helpful to almost have, and I've mentioned this before, have uh, somebody who say stage manager actually kind of documenting the the blocking that we discussed. Yeah, yeah. I had uh I mentioned Dan before working with me kind of doing a lot of that for Hound of the Baskervilles. And that really helped a lot because we because it was a larger cast and the fact that we were not blocking in order, it helped a great deal for us to keep track of, okay, where did we leave off the blocking from the part that we did last week? And then coming back to that maybe two weeks later for maybe the scene right before that or the scene right after that and knowing where everybody was at that point. Now, when you're doing, when you're directing and you're doing the blocking, do you have, like how detailed are your blocking notes in your script? And I guess, I, I mean, we've talked about this when we've talked about directing, whether it's a more organic sense of blocking where you know where you want them to be at certain spots and then you let them move around and you determine that at the rehearsals as opposed to a more detailed sense of exactly where everybody is at every given moment. Depends on the show. I would say probably yeah. True West was more the more organic kind of having more leeway, whereas Hound of the Baskervilles was kind of by its nature had to be a little bit more structured. Mm -hmm. And in the case where so we I had the more like... structured blocking, that was really where the stage manager proved immensely helpful in helping to keep all that straight yeah i mean i feel like in in that sort of circumstance at least for me i've got enough notes in my script that i don't really need the the stage manager necessarily to write all of that down because i've already got it written down and i can already tell them where they go i'm too to lazy me, it's to more... write down my own blocking notes <laughs> i've never done that. <laughs> yeah see again it's like it's two different it's two different ways it's it depends again as you said it depends on the show 
where if I'm blocking more organically, I might be writing, scribbling them down on the fly or relying more on the stage manager to do it. Whereas if it's a more a more of a structured thing and everybody has to be in certain places at certain times, I'm more likely to write more of that down myself so I know how to tell them to do it as I'm directing it. I, I mean, it, it just varies. I was just kind of curious as to which way that you were going when you were relying more on the stage manager. I mean, I, I think it's good to have them there regardless because at least for me, a lot of the times if they're not doing blocking notes and things like that, then they will be, they'll be on book. So when yeah. it starts coming time to memorize lines, they might uh, give line notes or something like that. They might serve as kind of a, a, a stand-in line coach. Yeah, exactly. I've resorted to, if the stage manager's around, I've resorted to having them fulfill that role. And mm-hmm. we, just like a director or an assistant director, we would give them, you know, their slot in the note giving to focus on yep. line notes to say, hey, so-and-so on page 82, you said this when you should have said that, or your line was this, or you missed this line or that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's also as you lead into tech week and the props start to come out, that's when they become extremely vital. <laughs> and, you know, they'll they'll stress with the actors that they're responsible for personal props and things like that. But they'll also stage all of the props that aren't personal props. Sometimes even if they are personal props, they'll double check with the actors, make sure they have them. They basically, the closer you get to opening, the more they're there to ensure that the show runs smoothly. Yeah, and going back to props again for a minute, it helps them to see the actors trying to use the props, so it gives them Mm -hmm. a sense of kind of things to watch out for to keep in mind when they have to get them set or realizing, okay, somebody drank this much juice in this scene. We're going to need this <laughs> total amount. That's a kind of stupid example, but um, no, or, I, that, or we're going to need, or he has to light this candle three times and we have to make sure we have enough matches to cover that kind of stuff. Or that candle is going to burn out after so many rehearsals, yep. or we need batteries to replace the light in the sconce kind of thing they'll be able to get a sense of, okay, how, how much maintenance is involved in replenishing some of these types of items. How much bread you need to make toast. Yes. <laughs> True West reference. Yes, of course. It really, the, the more you think about it, the more stage managers are responsible for, you kind of look at it when you're a director, you're responsible for the whole show and you have to think about all these different moving parts. But, once the show opens, you don't have to worry about it. You kind of have to make sure they're in place. The stage manager is the one that actually has to bring it to fruition. Right, and to execute on it. Exactly. And it's a lot of it's a lot of work. And it's it's like you said at the beginning, it's kind of the unsung hero of of the production. Yeah. Uh it kind of starts on a given performance night, it almost starts right at the beginning if, say, there isn't a house manager, per se, which there might be. But if there isn't, then the stage manager might be doing that job. So it might be their responsibility Even, to unlock the place before anybody else shows up. Turn on the yeah, lights. I, I mean, in my in my experience, the, the stage manager usually is the one who's there first and often is unlocking the theater. Mm-hmm. But that's mostly because they're there checking to make sure all the props are in place, checking yeah. to make sure that the, you know, the juice is filled. And, right, they, uh, got, they might have to prep stuff uh, for props. Yeah, that, like they almost definitely will. I mean, drinks. 
sweeping the stage. I, it's all of these little things that that you don't even think about a lot of the times that a good stage manager will make sure is done. Turn up the thermostat for the house. <laughs> yeah. Make sure that all the actors are there and accounted for. Well, yeah, a lot of stage managers, as a matter of practice, do a sign-in sheet. Yep. To And have to check it to make sure that everybody checked in and arrived and are there. And if not, then they might have to start calling people or exactly. let somebody know that they got to start calling people. And then once the show's going, they have to coordinate with the house staff, assuming that they're not the house staff and let people know that or let the, if they're holding for audience members to arrive, they need to let the actors know if for some reason an actor hasn't shown up, they need to let the house know that they're going to have to delay they have to coordinate and let them know, you know, intermission comes after such and such a scene. So that's when you need to get ready for refreshments or whatever, right. people to head out into the lobby. It's all of that coordination that's kind of done that doesn't really get thought about so much. I, the director at this point is just sitting and watching the show. There's really <laughs> nothing left for the director to do. Right. Yeah, that's that's my favorite time to be the director. <laughs> It kind of is now. It didn't used to be. That used to make me so nervous. Once it was completely out of my hands, I, think I didn't I, like not having control. I think I mostly accepted at that point that it was out of my hands, and I could just... If, assuming it went well, assuming the production went well, that I felt yeah. satisfied with it, that I could just kind of sit back and enjoy the fruits of everybody's labor, so to speak, <laughs> and get to see how the audience are reacting to it. But no, that's not the stage managers. The stage managers got to keep working. Yeah. Uh, they work through the whole run of the show. They are the ones that are cueing the actors um, either backstage or sometimes they might be in the booth if that's called for or coordinating with the booth because they've got a cue, you know, say there has to be some way to indicate that the actors are ready. Let's bring the lights up yeah, and that sort of thing. Usually headsets are involved for that kind of stuff. My Often they are, yeah. My experience is that the stage manager will be talking to the people in the house in the lobby Lobby, people in the lobby be telling them we still have a line of people coming in to get their tickets and get seated or during admission. We still have a line of people waiting in the for the bathroom mm -hmm. um, and then coordinating that with the person in the booth to say, OK, it's time to flash the lights now, dim the house, that kind of stuff. And, and don't forget, they could also be if they have helpers, they could also be in charge of the rest of the stage crew and having to. Yep delegate and assign duties and work out who's doing what. And, you know, maybe in some cases they may not have the same people for every run of the show. That's not uncommon. Also true. Yeah. They, they might be dealing with different people in the booth, different people helping them backstage and they have to make sure that that's all coordinated and that all the individual people know what they're doing and, and do it right. <laughs> right. They get, they have to be on top of everything that has to get done regardless of who's available to do it and make sure that, People know what they're doing and do it. And yeah, I mean, check said, to make sure that it all gets done. Right. Like looking, uh, uh, taking a last look at the stage right before the lights are supposed to come up. Oh, wait, that chair was supposed to move over there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't start and, yet. And also, they're the ones that have to somehow deal if, if something goes wrong, like if a light goes out or something like that in the middle of the production. They have to be like, okay, this is out. We need to talk to the lighting guy and we need to talk to the actors and be like, okay, well, between these scene changes, we're going to, we're going to hold a little longer and I'm going to run out and replace that light bulb. Like I've seen that happen. Yeah. We've talked about the nature of live theater and that equally applies to the stage manager's role in terms of them keeping on top of things and being able mm -hmm. to improvise around things that don't go as planned. 
except when you know prop guns don't work. <laughs> Bang! Then you're just screwed. Yeah, you <laughs> can't I think we told everything. those stories <laughs> ad infinitum. Right, you can't cover for everything, but anything, you know, it's usually going to happen during a scene change if possible. Yeah. If something has to be fixed, say a uh, glass broke, uh, mm-hmm. they got to clean They'll that up to go between out, sweep scenes. Up, sweep that yeah. up. I've seen that actually happened. I want to say it was when I was directing Accomplice. I think somebody dropped a glass or maybe it was a rehearsal of that or some other show where the actor actually. So the stage manager, I think, brought up like a a, uh, a dustpan and a little broom and they managed to like come off stage and get it and come back on stage. The actor, you know, went off, came back and swept up the broken glass in character during the scene. During the scene, which that's a is great. Unusual, and I mean, but... and that's also an, another sign of a good stage manager that that they went and got that and had it ready for the actor to go. Yeah. So it's a little bit of improv. Like, There's a little this. bit of on the fly anticipation of how to deal with things. Yeah, I, I think that's a sign of a good stage manager that they know not necessarily know, but they can come up with what to do when something goes wrong. Because as we've said, with the nature of live theater, inevitably something is going to go wrong at some point. Yeah. And that's, that's another great advantage of having them involved earlier in the process is they can kind of get the ins and outs of the show. They can maybe establish a rapport with the actors, get to know them, get to kind of know what they're going to do and know to expect. And you know, maybe be on the same link, wavelength a little bit better to anticipate how to deal with situations like that. Exactly. And then not only are they dealing with all of this stuff, setting up for the show ahead of time and dealing with everything and all the props and all of this stuff that's occurring during the show, but they also have to clean everything up afterwards. Yes. Yes. So they're often the first ones there and the last ones to leave. Frequently. Uh, they got to right any dirty dishes, any debris on the stage has to get swept up afterward washing the dishes um getting getting everything getting everything preset for the next performance if there is one yep uh and shutting everything down after well waiting till everybody's ready to leave and then shutting everything down and locking up and leaving it's not always the stage manager that does that but that's frequently the case i think yeah i I think just because just in the nature of cleaning everything up, they are the last ones that are finished with whatever tasks they have to do. Yes. So often they are the, the ones locking up. A lot of times, at least uh, when I'm directing, I'll try to stick around and help out and at least be there supporting. Unless they're potentially waiting for an actor who had half their family there and spent 20 yes. minutes after the show <laughs> talking to them and now still has to go get changed. And they've that finished everything that they needed to. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, and not to bring up True West again, but that is a, sh- a show in particular that is rough on a stage manager because by the end of that show, you've stage got... stage is a mess. A, a, yeah, the stage is a mess. It's a number of toasters come out and you're making toast and then he gets this big pile of toast on a plate. The plate gets knocked out of his hands. They're supposed to like stomp on the toast. So there's toast all over the stage, crumbs all over the stage, they're supposed to literally make a mess. So there's just crap everywhere. I can imagine a show like Noises Off would be probably pretty challenging for a stage manager because they've got to keep track of basically three acts of a play that are very similar, that involve mm-hmm. similar props, but not quite the same. <laughs> 
just different enough that, that to sort of thing, confuse uh, somebody if they're not really paying attention. Lifetime Street yeah. is probably another good example of that kind of a show where it's the same but different. Right. It's basically three acts of the gig. I mean, that's that's the butterfly flaps its wing and wings in New York and you get rain in Tokyo. It's it's three iterations of the same scene, basically. So very similar dialogue, similar props. And a nightmare to deal with. Yeah. So so it's a good thing we've had. We've both had good stage. At least I've had good stage managers. I've assumed you have had them as well. I have. I would probably say farces in general are going to be more challenging for stage manager yeah, yeah. overall. I mean, I think farces are consistently challenging, whereas you've got other shows just at random, you know, like a true West. That's certainly not a farce, but that's a challenging show to stage manage. Just there's a lot of props and a lot of things like that and food and things like that to deal with. I think food is one of the more difficult challenges as far as stage managers go. Well, I'd also argue that a show that I directed, Red Herring, which I've mentioned before, I'm sure, uh, was challenging because it had 23 scene changes. Yeah, lots of <laughs> scenes also challenging, particularly if there's like different locations and things like that. It was intended to be representative of different locations, and yep. the scenes were all roughly five to ten minutes each. So if I recall, there were also like a lot of... Dracula had a lot of scene changes to deal yeah, with. Yeah, that would be a Frankenstein as well. There, there's there's something there's a personal story that I will tell with, with Frankenstein. I had a, a great stage manager for that, but that was still very early in my in my directing. I want to say that was like I, I don't know, the first half for sure. <laughs> and that's something that I, I was still at a point where I wasn't able to let a show go once it opened. I had a really hard time sitting and watching because I would notice every little thing that went wrong and I wanted to fix it. And I remember early on in the, in the production run of that, something went wrong with a scene change and I actually got up out of my seat, went around backstage to bitch at the stage manager. Ooh. And I still feel so bad about that. And she said, it's no big deal, but uh, I will say I've never worked with her again after that, but... I also haven't directed at the barn since then. So, okay. That was um, like your fourth or fifth show, was it? Yeah, it was definitely in the first half. Okay. And I've done what, 10 now, not including one acts. But yeah, I think it was like fourth or fifth. But yeah, it, it was really hard for me to let that go. But she really was a good stage manager. And we're dealing in that show. The set ended up more complicated than it needed to be because I kind of changed something partway through that and simplified it. So there were these giant set pieces that had to be moved on and off stage, kind of like almost like a musical sort of thing where there were these big wheeled platforms with furniture on them and things. And right. that ended up just being difficult to coordinate and something went wrong and I got pissed off and still regret that. And then of course there was the show that I personally stage managed, which was yes. Barnum. Barnum was, I, probably a relatively easy show to stage manage it's all it all takes place in a big top so it's pretty much a unit set it is a musical so there's a lot of entrances and exits and a lot and it was a lot of people and it was a lot of kids and yeah. a lot of teens i was just gonna say that we didn't really touch upon it but probably probably musicals are on the whole on average a little bit more difficult to stage manage it's a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. It's it's a lot of things to juggle and a lot of things to just make sure go right. And I didn't have a lot of props and stuff like that. I can remember, all I remember was, 
I guess it was the Barnum character would come off stage and the way this theater was set up, they would go outside downstairs, come back through the green room. And I had to hand him a prop as he was running through. And then he would run back up the stairs and come on on the other, on the other side. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing I remember. The other thing, of course, and strangely, I don't even think this has been mentioned before, but this was, no, it probably has been mentioned before. I'm sure it has. Regardless, this was at Forge Theater where the green room is downstairs from the theater and the stairwell is fairly open. And if you're talking too loud downstairs, you can be heard upstairs. Right. So I'm dealing with a bunch of kids, like, I guess early teens, some of them even younger. Sounds right. And the kids can get kind of loud and they're down there getting loud. And I kept trying to quiet them down and quiet them down. And eventually I just whisper yelled at them for the love of god would you please be quiet <laughs> and i never lived that one down nope you didn't the for the love of god <laughs> i remember you, from that was there is that video that you guys made was that a dirt for the directors i i forget why i believe it was video. yeah but you still recreated that moment. You kind of recreated that moment. But what happened? It was like a brick wall collapsed on you or something. There was something with with bricks in that. We had made a bunch of bricks out of foam that got tossed around. So I think they they like tossed them at me or so. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I recreated that moment. Yeah. Yeah. They, they played it during the final cast party. I remember yeah. I, was, I was involved with this show in a kind of a weird way. I was sort of a stand in for some of the supporting speaking roles for yeah. the last two performances because a couple of the uh, main cast members were not available for those. Yep. So I, I saw that video. I remember that. But anyway. So, so what was your stage managing experience? Well, there's probably a case where I filled in on one of the shows for a play I directed. I don't even remember which one it was, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I was the substitute stage manager on one given performance where the uh, main person was not able to make that show. I, like I said, I don't remember which show it was. I don't remember it uh, being particularly eventful. Yeah. But the ex uh, more eventful experience I had with stage managing was Red Herring when I directed that. Uh, we had, I wasn't the stage manager per se, but between uh, our crew, which is essentially the stage manager and three other people, two of which were the directors. We handled all the set changes, of which, as I mentioned earlier, there were 23 of. And we right. had everything elaborately kind of planned out almost like football plays, sort of. <laughs> Except I think in certain cases we didn't do do it the same way every time. And I think what we were trying to do is make it more efficient where we could. Because I think, to be totally frank, I think the total amount of time to do scene changes in that show probably took up 20 minutes of the play. Wow. Yeah. If you added up all 23 of those scene changes and the amount of time they took, I would not be surprised if it added up to about 20 minutes. Damn. <laughs> so we were trying to, you know, fine tune things a little bit, do things a little bit differently to make it go quicker, to make it more efficient. And sure. It might have added to some confusion, though, at times, because we were doing things differently on the fly. But uh, it was, yeah. we had the. We had the stage all mapped out with glow tape like a planetarium, and we had to move, you know, maybe four or five different pieces of furniture or set pieces in and out every time between scenes. God. As well as, and this is where I really thank the stage manager, figuring out how to store all of those pro, uh, set pieces 
in the relatively small amount of backstage space, quote unquote, that we had, uh, mm. making it almost fit like a puzzle or Tetris or something. Yeah, that's always a challenge with community theater because there's never a lot of backstage space. No, and that was especially true in this case. This was Playcrafters of Skipback. It was pretty limited for offstage space given the amount of space we needed and the shape of the stage and just the number of furniture and set pieces that had to come on mm. and off all the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely learned after Barnum that stage management was not for me. It, it requires a great deal of coordination and you need to be extremely organized. And I'm not saying I'm not organized. I am an extremely organized person, but just my sense of organization does not lend itself well to stage management because, because of all the unknown, because not only do you have to coordinate and be organized, you have to somehow organize the unknown and know how to deal with it. You and have that to be I able to think do. on your feet to a large degree. It is a great skill set to have. And there aren't, there certainly aren't a lot of dedicated stage managers in community theater. There are most of them that I've encountered are also directors or actors or, or yeah. costume or, you know, they, they do other things. You ever get the situation where you feel a little bit bad when you had somebody audition for you who you decided for whatever reason not to cast them, but you look at them and realize, hey, I'd really like to have you as a stage manager. And then you tell them. I have them, never had that, and thankfully. I've, I think I've <laughs> run into this at least once. But yeah. then you tell them, hey, would you like to be the stage manager? And then, you know, there's probably a sense of disappointment on their side because they didn't get cast and maybe they really right. wanted to act in it. But on the one hand, at least they still get to be involved, but just maybe not in the capacity that they had in mind. But you reached out to them because you knew or thought that they could do a good job with it. And, and frankly, a good stage manager is in some circumstances harder to find than a good actor. Well, in the case of Red Herring, actually, our stage manager pulled double duty. He was also in one of the scenes as a bartender, I think, or a, mm. a um, maitre d' or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I've had that. I had, uh, what was it, in Dracula, the stage manager uh, doubled as an attendant in the uh, uh, insane asylum where okay, Renfield yeah, was kept. Yeah. So, yeah, it does happen. But, yeah, you're right uh, in that there is a bit of overlap. And yeah, you can find people who are perfectly happy with taking on the stage manager role up front and recognizing that. And, mm -hmm. you know, they'll they'll be a solid contributor and do the job that they need to do. And other times you might be scrounging amongst people that you can think of who would be available for the run <laughs> of the show. And generally, I try to set that up ahead of time. That is one member of my crew that I really do try to have before I even get to auditions. That's probably so a better practice. Yeah. Yes. Hasn't always worked out that way for me. But um, yeah. like I said, then there's the available potential available pool of people from the auditions, I guess, mm -hmm. if somebody's still willing to, you know, on the audition sheets, you always you have, well, depending on the form, you might have on, on one of the questions if not cast, would you be willing to help out in one of these areas? Check a yes. box. Mm -hmm. And stage managing, I'm sure, is on that list. So anyway, yeah, stage managers are a vital part of any production. Diction. And hopefully, hopefully we are a vital part of your podcasting listening and will continue to be so for the 
few episodes that we are guaranteeing we are still going to record. We're going to get it up to 100, and then we'll see where we go from there. If you do have any comments or questions or ideas for our last few episodes, although we're almost filled up at this point, you can contact us by visiting our website, podcast.backstage.link, and clicking on Contact the Show, or you can leave us a voicemail or a text message by calling 267-225-8869. That's 267-225-8869. And if we like your voicemail, we may use it on a future episode. Or we may not. Probably not. <laughs> I think we will. If you've enjoyed this show, might be too late to say this, but please subscribe if you haven't already. <laughs> Leave a review. Tell your friends. We've got plenty of uh, back episodes to listen to if you have friends who are new to this or just coming on board and who still might be interested in checking out where we have been. That we do. You can find all the back episodes if you subscribe, or they are also archived on podcast.backstage.link. All 94 or 5 of them. Yep, somewhere around there. <laughs> Next time on the Backstage Show, which will probably be in a few weeks, we will hopefully have a guest lined up and we'll be talking about show publicity. Yes, getting the word out there, getting people aware that you are doing a show. Come yes, and see it. Or or doing auditions or just that you have a theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, yeah, all these things are important. Sometimes the theaters are hard to find or people aren't aware that they are even there. That is true. So until we do return with that episode, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And thank you for joining us backstage. Bye-bye. And the OCD kicks in yet again. And like it ever kicks out. <laughs> I almost said like this me is another podcast. <laughs> In some way, it certainly could be, but we are not experts. <laughs> like so we're experts we in got... community theater. <laughs> yes, have some. Every one of these uh, episodes lately are you coming up with ideas for the next podcast. <laughs> It's all ball bearings these days. Glem and Glem? Glem. Glem and gin. <laughs> oh boy, there's a drink gone wrong for you. <laughs> I feel like a hundred bucks. If it's calling for like an actual old man, I, I might go as far as that. This is Glenn, ladies and gentlemen. His uh, agent's <laughs> number is... I don't know. Now you got me curious about recording a different podcast or just recording it and see if we actually have anything that's worth airing. Could you hear it at all? No. <laughs> Sorry. It's going to be fun to edit now. <laughs> I am recording, but now I can't see my own waveform. I, I hate when that happens. happens. No, let me do that again. Right. Yes. Uh, hang on. <laughs> Sorry. I lost my notes. It's a lot of work. And it's, as you said at the start, it's an unsung. <laughs> well, he wasn't singing it, so I guess it was unsung. Uh, I about to say unsung hero. What the hell did you say at the beginning? Unsung hero? I probably did, yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> but They'll I... also... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, stage managers are certainly a vital part of any production. Did you say vile? And hopefully... What was that? Did you say vile? They're a vile vile part of any production. Dun, dun, dun. True West reference. Yes, of course. I guess that we have drink. no shortage of those, do we? <laughs> drink for those playing the pod uh, backstage show drinking game. Every time we make a True West reference, take a drink. <laughs> oh boy! And every time we say, "What is happening?" Down your drink. <laughs> wow, this is going to be quite the uh, the episode for the drinking game. <laughs> so that yeah, was just an I, example. I mean, you don't count that one. Yeah. But if you go back and listen to the archived episodes, be forewarned. Are you done? Okay, moving on. So...